Keith Bunker. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Inside the Bunker. I'm your host, Keith Bunker. I was able to see No Time to Die last weekend, and I have been promising a review that I was going to give a spoiler review, spoiler-free review, you know, what, whatever. We, I did a poll, you know, to try to find out what we were going to do as far as uh, this coming episode. So I sat on it for a little while, and I'm going to kind of give spoilers, but very vague spoilers. I'm not going to get into a deep dive of the movie as far as, like, small details and everything, but I want to to be known if you have not seen the movie and you want to go in spoiler free to change the channel, uh, turn off this video. If you're on YouTube, you know, switch to another episode, whatever, but there will be some conversations. So there will be spoilers a a little bit. So um, I'm going to give you a chance to do that in three, two, one. So here we go. So I'm actually uh, drinking a martini right now to go with my episode. And you know, to go with the James Bond theme, and not sure how I feel about them. It's actually the first uh, martini I've really had, uh, shaken, not stirred, of course, and, you know, my wife made it for me, and not sure if I'm a huge fan, but, you know, I'm going to drink this as I go through the episode. But my thoughts on the movie, No Time to Die, starring Daniel Craig, of course, as his fifth iteration of James Bond. We actually did a rewatch of the entire Daniel Craig series before watching No Time to Die. Uh, In the two or three days leading up to it, we watched Casino Royale, you know, followed by Quantum of Solace and Skyfall, as well as Spectre. Just to kind of get a recap, we haven't watched the movies in years. It's been, I think, since uh, Casino Royale, I've seen a bunch of times, as well as Quantum of Solace. But Skyfall and Spectre, we hadn't seen in a few years leading up to the uh, seeing the movie. I think we saw them in theaters and that was pretty much it, even though I own them on Blu-ray, but we just haven't had a chance to go see them. I mean, they're very long movies are two and a half hours plus a piece. So, you know, take that with what you will, but you know, I went in watching all of those movies and, and for anybody going to see the movie, I do recommend watching it after you've seen all the Daniel Craig movies. I mean, you could go in and watching it as a standalone James Bond flick. I mean, most of the movies are standalone. I've noticed that with the, with the um, the timeline of the Daniel Craig movies, all of those movies are tied together. So it's one cohesive storyline between all five movies, which they've never really done in any of the James Bond movies. I mean, there's recurring characters, recurring themes, recurring, you know, storylines a little bit in some of them, but these are the most, as far as if you were going to take, you know, a, a period of life of James Bond and put them into a movie, this is pretty much the culmination of that. So, I enjoyed the movie. Um, it had it has its, its strengths and weaknesses. Um, let's just say, I mean, it starts off, it, it actually starts off with a flashback of Madeline Swan's character from the previous movie. Uh, she play, um, played by Leah Sadow. Sorry if I'm pr- mispronouncing her name. But she was in the last movie. Uh, her and James Bond at the end of Spectre, you know, walked off into the sunset, basically, you know, getting in his um, Aston Martin and, drove off so basically this movie picks up shortly thereafter it doesn't really give a timeline as far as how many months have passed or anything but i would say a few months have passed you know leading up to this movie so basically it starts off with a flashback of her past and her being hunted as a kid in her in her house basically her mother being shot and killed spoiler and 
it kind of goes from there as to far as uh, her PTSD dealing with that moment. And they're off, uh, her and James Bond, you know, have kind of eloped off into, I think, I think it was Italy at the beginning of the movie. I don't know if they ever, I can't remember. I mean, there's a lot of details in the movie, but I can't remember if that's the exact city they were in. But anyways, they were there uh, where Vesper Lynn from the very first James Bond movie with Daniel Craig, Casino Royale, where she has been buried. So it was kind of a Madeline Swan brought him there as kind of like a, hey, you know, forget about your past. Let's put, you know, let let bygones be bygones. Let's, you know, go see her grave. So he goes and sees her grave. Huge explosion happens. I'll just say that uh, with the typical James Bond uh, opening of a movie, you know, a lot of action, a lot of car chases around, you know, mountains and everything, missiles, machine gun fire, all kinds of things. Awesome. If you see it in the IMAX, it was really great. I mean, the, the sound and everything was fantastic, but that's how the movie started. It was basically ended that part of the movie or right before the opening credits of him putting Madeline on a train and basically saying, I'm never going to see you again. I don't want to see you again. Cause he basically blames her. He thinks that she double crossed him and pretty much was trying to get him killed by bringing him there because obviously he's been in the past that happened to him with Vesper in the very first Casino Royale. So he puts that to rest basically. Uh, then the movie flashes forward five years later, which I was kind of shocked. That's a big, pretty big time jump. I mean, most movies do some sort of time jumps, but five years is a pretty big point of time. Uh, James Bond's retired at this point. He's no longer, at, you know, works for MI6. He is a retired 00 agent. They actually have a new 007 um, played by it's gosh, Lashana Lynch is her name. She plays Nomi. She's the new 007. There's a lot of quips throughout the movie of, you know, 007 is only a number. doesn't mean anything, you know, and so, so forth. But obviously they do it as kind of a, as a joke to, or a stab at Daniel Craig and James Bond, you know, to kind of get, you know, him, him riled up. So he comes back and a lot of stuff happens. The main terrorist threat of the movie is basically around a biological virus that's been unleashed to basically specifically target certain DNA. So for example, you know, they could target it to kill a very specific person, unleash it into a crowd of people, and it only will kill that person. It will only affect that person. If anybody comes in contact with, with that person that has that same DNA sequence that they've programmed, they die. So it's basically, you know, pretty much James Bond villain stuff. Uh, I was actually talking to my wife and a friend of mine. The movie, if you're a fan of Metal Gear Solid, the video game series, it has a lot of references to that. I'm not sure if the director or writer is a huge fan of that series, but the pretty much the premise of the virus is Fox Die, which is in the game, which is basically the same thing. We're beginning of the very first Metal Gear game. Again, spoilers coming up, but you they inject Snake, which is the main character, with a a you know uh, a needle to basically it's supposed to prevent him from having hyperthermia, and they're saying it's going to add some nanobodies to his basically blood, so that way you know he doesn't die of hypothermia we'll come to find out towards the end of the game so a lot of people start dying when he gets close to them that people he's supposed to save you find out it was actually he was sent there as to kind of being a vessel to kill the people that he was meant to save so it was actually kind of an inside job type situation so it was a little bit of that um they actually attack specter um a lot of specter agents and pretty much kill almost all of specter in the first what 45 minutes to an hour of the movie um because the the main villain of this one is going against Spectre because he holds them. He basically holds a grudge against them. I'm, I'm not going to get too far into why, but that's, that's the reasoning for that. So you go into 
that scene. The movie from there, I mean, it, it's typical James Bond fare. A uh, lot, lot of great locations, you know, a lot of, lot of beautiful locations, you know, beautiful women, men, everything. Um, they bring back Felix, played by Jeffrey Wright. Uh, he comes back for a little bit. He's not in the movie very much, but he comes back. They tried their best to tie up as many loose ends as possible with this movie, which I appreciated as being this is Daniel Craig's final, you know, take as James Bond. But going from that moment, I mean, the 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 entire cast did a great job. I mean, Q returns M. Obviously, they had a couple new characters. There's a girl, uh, Paloma, played by Anna de Armas, and she she's hilarious. She's like a rookie agent, only been on the job for two or three weeks, and they make a couple clips about that. She's 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 funny and very cute in the movie. She's only in the movie for maybe 25 minutes, but it's a, one of the best scenes of the movie. I thought she was hilarious. But going into the end of the movie, it's Rami Malek. He actually plays the bad guy, uh, Safin. He does an amazing job of of him. He doesn't really show up in the movie very often, which is actually kind of shocking. It's only, I mean, I think like an hour, hour, 10 minutes into the movie is when he actually actually shows up for the first time and they actually talk to him. So it's kind of shocking to see that. But the the last end of the movie, huge set piece, of course, you know, uh, they have actually again to mirror, mirror Metal Gear and again to go to the references of Metal Gear. They actually do kind of a, a drop from from the plane. They they take a basically kind of like a, a submarine and they shoot it underwater to go into the base, you know, undetected. Same as Metal Gear Solid One. That's how they got into the Fox Archipelago in Alaska. Is used something very similar to that, including you know uh, one of the first lines I think they say to him is, "Hey, John, James, watch out for cameras. There's cameras watching." Again, another Metal Gear reference. So I'm not sure. I'm, I'm curious to see maybe some interviews going forward if they were huge fans of the Metal Gear Solid series because it felt like a lot of that was was being channeled in this ending of this movie, including you know him going through and with the way you know with the guns and everything and kind of going stealthy to start off the mission. It was pretty. It's pretty interesting. I, it was pretty cool. But the the big shocker of the movie uh, to go into it is obviously at the end they kill James Bond, which I kind of predicted to my wife. We were talking about it a couple weeks ago. Of I felt that was probably the best way to go about this iteration of James Bond, and the reason I say that is a huge James Bond fan. This the Daniel Craig saga, I will put it, has been the darkest of the James Bonds. I mean, if you put them side by side with like the Sean Connery or, you know, the, the Pierce Brosnan movies, they're the darkest as far as like, you know, killing off main characters and just the themes of them and everything. And and I mean, the fighting scenes, obviously the hand-to-hand combat's are very brutal. And it's, it's, I, I felt like it was a perfect way to end it. They, they end up killing him essentially. Um, and I'm okay with that. I know a lot of people. We were I, I was talking to a few friends of mine. They were not fans of them killing James Bond, and they were like, "Well, I guess that you know they killed him to kind of show that he will never be in a James Bond movie." That's here and there. There, I know Daniel Craig had an issue with playing James Bond, uh, you know, for this long or whatever, or had some issues with the role. But that being said, he doesn't make the decisions as far as that. That would be the writers and directors. So they probably decided, "Hey, this is the, the perfect way to kind of you know bookend his saga." as James Bond, and I was cool with that. So where would I rank it as far as 
the Pathion of the Daniel Craig movies. I'm not going to do a ranking of all the James Bond movies. That would take me forever, and I would have to go back, honestly, and rewatch every single one from the very beginning. But since I just watched the Daniel Craig ones, I can kind of give my ranking as far as where I would rank this on the James Bond list. My favorite, again, if you saw my episode a couple weeks ago, my top 10 movies, Casino Royale, it's on my top 10 movies. That's obviously my favorite of the Daniel Craig movies. This movie did not change that. I love Casino Royale. That is my top tier as far as the James Bond, Daniel Craig movies go. I would say followed by Skyfall. Rewatching Skyfall, I really, really, really loved the intrigue in that movie, especially it really put a focus on M and her story. And obviously she passed away in the movie and, and was killed. But the way that movie really was like, okay, what's happening? What's what's going on? Like the, the twist in that one. And I love them going back to James Bond's like ancestral home in Scotland and kind of doing that whole thing. I was a huge fan of that. I really thought it was a beautiful house. They blow it up at the end, but it was a beautiful house. So rewatching it, really, really enjoyed that one. I would say Spectre would probably be my third favorite, um, followed by this one, No Time to Die, and then Quantum of Solace. Quantum of Solace is by far my least favorite of the Daniel Craig movies, and I think that's pretty much the general consensus among fans that it's probably one of the worst James Bond movies as far as just it was all over the place. But so four out of five isn't in most you know lands would be an awful ranking. None of the movies are terrible. Um, again, like I said, Quantum of Solace, kind of notwithstanding, but the other four, you could literally put them up. I mean, I could see all of them being, each of them being kind of ranked in the top 10 of James Bond movies. So it doesn't mean it was a bad movie. It just, I feel like it with as a standalone James Bond movie, it's not the best. If you watch it as a part of a saga, still not the best as, as far as inside the saga. So I would say, you know, the four... Four out of five, as far as that. Now, as far as rankings goes, I probably give it out of a out of a ten, probably a seven. I would say it's 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 good. I am a huge fan of James Bond, so there's little quib- quabbles here and there that I had with the movie. But that being said, it was still very and very much enjoy- enjoyable. So that's pretty much my review for No Time to Die. Uh, again, I wanted to kind of keep it a little bit spoiler free and, and short for that matter. If anybody has any questions about the movie, you know, uh, write it in the comments or contact me on Spotify or wherever you can contact me on Twitter. Just please, you know, let me know what you thought of the movie. I'm just curious to see, you know, those of you that did see the movie, what you thought of it. I will be uploading very soon the Halloween Kills review, which that one I have a feeling I, I'm a super, super excited for that movie. So that will be uploaded probably in the next day or two, shortly after this episode is released. We're going to see it tonight, and super excited for that. And with that being said, thank you so much for joining me again for Inside the Bunker. Please go see the movie. It was great. I advise seeing it in IMAX. But that is all I have for you today. So with that, thank you, and have a good day.